break 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 You're listening to Breakthrough News, and this is The Punch Out. We're following the news all day so you don't have to, giving you everything you need to know about what's in the headlines and what should be. And yes, we are back here with you on Monday, the 5th of April, 2021. Very happy to be back with you here on The Punch Out, as we always are, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, here from Breakthrough News. Great stuff for you here on the show, as we always do. We're going to be telling you a little bit more about secret bailouts going on under the guise of the Federal Reserve here in the United States. We're going to also be talking about some official confirmation in a new US, uh, UN report, I should say, about France killing dozens of civilians in an airstrike in Mali. But before we get to either of those two very important stories, we want to start by talking about Nike, FedEx, Archer's Daniel, Archer Daniels Midland, big agribusiness company, and many others that had big profits in 2020 but paid zero dollars in federal taxes. There were at least 55 large corporations with big profits that paid zero dollars in federal taxes in 2020, according to new research from the Institute on Taxation and Economic Policy, or ITEP. ITEP noted about this state of affairs that, quote, The tax-avoiding companies represent various industries and collectively enjoyed almost $40.5 billion, $40.5 billion in pre-tax income in the U.S. in 2020. The statutory federal tax rate for corporate profits is 21%. The 55 corporations would have paid a collective total of $8.5 billion for the year 2020 had they paid that 21% rate. Instead, instead of paying any taxes, Collectively, they actually received $3.5 billion in tax rebates. 55 large corporations, $40 billion in profit, $0 in federal taxes, $3.5 billion in federal tax rebates. And in just case you're wondering here about that pre-tax income issue, that is a proxy for profits. You may be interested to know in Wall Street, the preferred profit uh, earnings measure is something called EBITDA, which is earnings before interest taxes, uh, depreciation, and other forms of deduction. So it gives a better sense of how much profit a company is really making. So again, $40 billion, $40.5 billion pre-tax income, i.e. profits, 2020, these 55 corporations, zero federal taxes. $3.5 billion in federal tax rebates. Nike had $2.9 billion in pre-tax income in 2020. Didn't pay any federal taxes, but they did get $109 million back. FedEx, $1.2 billion of U.S. pre-tax income they reported in 2020, $0 in federal taxes, and they got $230 million back from the government. Duke Energy, one of the largest energy companies in the country, got so much money back from the government rather than paying any taxes that its tax rate was 
negative 34% as it concerns federal taxes. If you thought that sounds bad, Westlake Chemical, based out of Houston, they make all sorts of plastics and building materials. They reported $227 million in pre-tax income in 2020. They paid zero taxes, of course. They got a tax rebate from the government of $208 million. That means that their federal tax rate was negative 91.6%. Wow. The report notes that for many of these companies, this gravy train has been going for a few years now. In fact, 26 of the companies have paid $0 in federal taxes for the past three years. They note that Duke Energy paid, on balance, no federal income taxes on a total of $7.9 billion. That FedEx achieved that same zero tax result on almost $6.9 billion of U.S. income. All told, these 26 companies reported $77 billion in pre-tax U.S. income in these three years. And instead of paying any taxes to the federal government, they collectively enjoyed a tax rebate of $4.6 billion. How do they do all this? Well, tax breaks of various sorts, of course. ITEP details the situation as follows, quote, More than a dozen used a tax break for executive stock options to sharply reduce their income taxes last year. At least half a dozen companies used the federal research and experimentation credit to reduce their income taxes in 2020. A provision in the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, that's the Trump tax cuts, allowed companies to immediately write off capital investments, the most extreme version of accelerated depreciation, and that helped several companies reduce their income tax substantially. Notably, there is much we cannot know about the factors reducing federal effective income tax rates for these corporations. ITEP wrapped up there. And they say that is because that some of the reporting requirements make it easy to hide the full extent of the use of the various tax breaks. So it's actually probably understated the point they're making about the people paying zero money and getting money back. ITEP also noted how corporate lobbyists got provisions into the CARES Act that, quote, Loosen the rules for the treatment of losses, not just in 2020, but retroactively for losses reported in 2018 and 2019, which have nothing to do with the pandemic, end quote. So in other words, companies can move around the profits and the losses going back to years before the pandemic to find a way to reduce their tax bills this year under the guise of it have something to do with the pandemic. Really, it's just a massive loophole for corporations to pay less taxes. Again, 55 corporations that had profits paid zero dollars in federal income tax in 2020. So if you ever needed more evidence that society is weighted towards the interests of the ultra-wealthy over everyone else, here you go. Billions in profits, zero dollars in taxes. We reported to you in early January of this year that on January 3rd, 2021, French jets bombed a wedding in central Mali and killed over a dozen civilians. Now, France vehemently denied the report then, but now the United Nations just released a major inquiry into the incident, confirming what family members of victims have been saying for months, that France bombed and killed civilians. The UN report confirms that 19 unarmed civilians were killed in this French airstrike on January 3rd. The UN conducted 400 interviews, and the analysis of more than 150 documents was also a part of the process. After all that, their report noted, quote, the majority of those hit in the strike were civilians who are protected from such attacks by international humanitarian law. The majority of those hit in the strike 
were civilians who were protected from such attacks by international humanitarian law. The report goes on to note further that it, quote, raises significant concerns, including the obligation to do everything that is practically possible to verify that the targets are indeed military objectives, end quote. And the implication of that being, of course, that France is not doing everything it can to ensure that they aren't wantonly murdering civilians. France has continued to dismiss the reporting, however, saying that it was based on, quote, unverifiable local testimony, end quote. The families of victims are demanding prosecutions of the officials and the soldiers and the airmen and others who are involved in this. And protesters returned to the streets of Mali last Friday to protest the French occupation, essentially, of the country. This is part of a long string of anti-French demonstrations in the country over the past year or so. In fact, uh, anger at the conduct of the war and the social crisis it helped ignite in the northern and central parts of Mali actually resulted in the government being toppled after mass demonstrations last summer. However, the interim government is backing France totally on this issue. This all comes as reports are coming of six civilians killed recently in another French airstrike in an eastern town in Mali. France has 5,000 troops in Mali, along with drones, helicopters, and planes. Along with other Western nations, they've pushed a military-first approach to the legacy issues of the conflict in Mali. Tensions between settled farmers and pastoralists, the impact of desertification in the Sahel, exacerbating access to land and water specifically, also cross-border ethnic issues like the struggle of the Tuareg people that really covers several different countries. And this is all overlaid by a government in Mali that traditionally, while being backed by the West, has pursued a strategy of just skimming the wealth off the top of resource extraction, mainly benefiting the global north, while of course neglecting the development needs for the majority of the population. The anti-French sentiment that's been driving the anti-French protest, of course, centers on France's key role in this neo-colonial state of affairs and the total failure of state responses to major social and economic challenges. But with France doubling down and the government supporting them, it seems these issues are set to continue in Mali in the near term with more death, destruction, and displacement ahead as people are forced into the streets to voice their opposition to these imperial plans and plots. Well, as we speak, we are still down 10 million jobs from where the economy was before the pandemic began. 4.2 million workers are unemployed for 27 weeks or more. 5.8 million workers experienced a drop in hours or pay because of the pandemic in just the last month. Also last month, there were 4.8 million workers now out of the labor force and not counted among the unemployed. In other words, people are still experiencing some very tough times here in the United States which is what has made it all the more galling to see how Congress has addressed the crisis seemingly by doing everything possible to narrow the scope of how much help people get. Lower direct payments, smaller unemployment checks, no minimum wage increases, and so on and so forth. And what makes this just all the more absurd is that at the same time that there was not enough relief being given to average people, the Federal Reserve has been handing out cash to big banks in the trillions of dollars with essentially no questions asked and, in fact, no actual real reporting on what's going on, i.e. they don't have to report, not that no one is looking into it. And in fact, as we've recently learned, on one day in 2020, the Fed loaned out almost $500 billion to some combination of the 24 largest banks in the country, and they haven't reported to who or why they did it. $500 billion in one day, 24 largest banks, some combination. 
Now, taking a step back, this is part of a broader Fed program that we've reported to you quite a bit here uh, on the punch out about began in the fall of 2019 before the pandemic, that has shoveled at least $11 trillion as of September 2020 into the repo market, which is a big piece of the financial world. And again, they haven't said why they're doing it, but with the scale of the money, it's obviously designed to keep the repo market from collapsing. So just to give you a sense of what that market is, a repo is basically a short-term loan. One party sells a security to another, but agrees to repurchase it at a later date at a higher price. Usually they're overnight loans, but they can be longer. Financial companies with a lot of cash on hand, like money market funds, think Fidelity, Vanguard, also some big banks, they love repos because it's a way to make money on essentially idle cash, not earning any interest. Now, securities-heavy companies, think hedge funds, also love repos because they have less cash on hand, and this way they can easily and quickly turn non-cash holdings into the cash they need for their day-to-day trades. The repo market sits at a crucial nexus in the financial system, not just because it's trillions of dollars, but most of the major players, the huge banks, the largest institutional investors, and the hedge funds and so on are all implicated. So if something goes wrong in there, the ripple effects can hit the whole economy. And clearly, something has been going very wrong. I mean, just think about this. Nine trillion of that $11 trillion came in just seven months. If you need nine trillion dollars in seven months, you're in trouble. So back to the 500 billion. And the information that the Fed puts out, they have to say the most they put out in one day and also the average amount that they were lending out daily in this program to give all this money to the repo market. Now, on average, they were lending out some 90 billion odd dollars a day. But then on one day, an unnamed, an unnamed day, by the way, they lent $495 billion, $495.7 billion, actually. Now, only the 24 primary dealers, that's the big banks that work with the Fed on a range of things, people like JP Morgan, uh, Citigroup, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, also Deutsche Bank. So again, the implication here is that one of the biggest financial institutions or some group of them took such a huge hit, they needed $500 billion in one day to prevent the entire repo market, which really would mean the entire economic architecture in the financial world from collapsing. $500 billion dollars. No questions asked, no real public disclosure, despite the fact that this obviously implicates this industry in having serious, serious problems. Maybe it shouldn't be getting this money without any questions asked. Here's another way to look at it. The cost of the $2,000 checks that were denied people after months of wrangling and a lot of fake promises on the election uh, campaign trail would have cost $464 billion. $464 billion for the $2,000 check. So Wall Street gets $500 billion in one day, $11 trillion in a year, no questions asked. Average working people, despite a crisis of all proportions, can't get the $2,000 check. And in fact, all the various rescue stimulus packages combined only add up to $5 trillion. Wall Street, $11 trillion, no questions asked. Average everyday people, $5 trillion that doesn't even meet the scale of the crisis that people are in. It's an amazing statement about the priorities of capitalism. And here's the other part of it. It also means that one of the key elements of the capitalist financial system is totally dysfunctional, perhaps rotten to the core. And rather than admit that, grapple with that, or address that, authorities have just set up a secret bailout facility to shovel trillions of dollars of cash into it to keep the whole crooked casino running. They're just hoping that no one ever notices that it's just a house of cards. Fine strategy, I guess, until the whole thing collapses in on itself. 
That's the punch out for today. We're with you Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. here in New York East Coast Standard Time, 2 p.m. in Los Angeles Pacific Standard Time, and 9 p.m. GMT. And of course, you can support everything we do here at Breakthrough News at patreon.com slash breakthrough news. It's your patronage that keeps all of our offerings here at Breakthrough News moving forward. And of course, you can check us out across all your social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at BT Newsroom. 